0: If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Uh, today I'm here with uh, Brandon Dambuya. He is actually someone, I'm really excited about this, but but I met Brandon as part of the Best Ever Conference sort of mini mastermind thing with... With COVID and and everything having to be distance, uh, I actually thought it was a great idea that they started these mini masterminds. And Brendan and I were in the same group and uh, got to know him and and very impressive. And and I think uh, everyone's going to really like hearing your story, Brendan. So thank you for coming on the podcast today. I really
1: appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm glad to be here. Appreciate you, Jason. I miss our mastermind days. Oh, yeah, um, <laughs> I'm excited about being on here
0: too. Yeah, we need, we need to get back get that back together. That that would be great. Sure. But um, Why don't we start and just, I'll let you kind of tell people your story, you know, kind of where you're from and everything and, and and where you're going in the real estate world.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm from Atlanta, born and raised. So that's where I am now. Um, I even rep in the Georgia Tech. Uh, that's why I went to school for undergrad uh so and this is one of the most exciting things about your podcast is like being it, it being a know your why podcast because i think that that's so important like understanding what fuels somebody and what got them from point a to point b or where they are now like i think that's huge and understanding like their motivations and where they're going to go in life um so i grew up in atlanta of course uh, born and raised my family is from sierra leone in west africa um so I grew up here, I was born here, but we moved back shortly after I was born. I After my first birthday, my mom shipped me off back there and we were supposed to live there. My dad still lived there, all my sisters grew up there and they still live there now. Um, but it was a civil war that uh, brought me, my brother and my mom back here and we've been here ever since. So it was just like a huge difference of what my life would have been versus what it is now uh, because of that incident. Um, the first time I went back to Sierra Leone was when I was 14. Um, and it was just a big culture shock seeing a developing country. And uh, I noticed that there was a lot of opportunities and a lot of development going on, but it wasn't being done by the Sierra Leoneans themselves. So that was one of the biggest things that got me interested in real estate at a young age when I was in high school. Um, I wanted to be able to learn how to develop communities for the better and invest in the people in those communities so I can take that skill and go back home and have an impact on my home country. Um, so fast forward to graduation, um, I was still interested in real estate, but I didn't know that you could just like start doing, it. I didn't know you could jump into real estate. I always thought that like, if you want to do real estate on that, on that level, that you need to already be rich or uh, you need to have certain connections and both of those I didn't have. So, uh, like every other real estate investor, I went to school for engineering. <laughs> I went uh, to Georgia Tech yeah. uh, <laughs> and got a, a mechanical engineering degree. I played football as well. Um, now I work for Coca-Cola um, in Atlanta, right across the street from Georgia Tech, by the way, um, in research and development. And I started uh, getting interested in real estate. I joined a, a RIA uh, back in 2018, and I was doing and trying my hand at that. Didn't really like it, didn't have a passion for it, but some people told me, like, oh, that's just the way to get started without any money. And I did that and wasn't successful. I think a big part of that is like just not being interested, not having the passion for it. And when you have the passion, that makes you persistent and you know go through the ups and downs and bounce back from the failures. Not in to have that, but I did learn a lot in the process. I learned a lot about real estate in general. I learned a lot about networking and what it took to to make it in the industry. So I started back last year and I uh, purchased my first property. And um, it was a two-unit property, and uh, we did a heavy value add on a heavy renovation, uh, put in about 65 grand worth of renovation. And through that whole project, there was a lot of headaches, a lot of failures. I did a lot of things wrong, but I did enough things right to where the investment is still a great deal. And it gave me the confidence to want to move into the commercial space. Um, from there, I started learning how to underwrite deals. I leveraged some of my skills being analytical as an engineer. Um, I took some courses online, learned how to underwrite, found some partners, and now we're moving forward in the commercial space. And I know we'll talk about that more, so I don't want to give too much away.
0: Yeah, no, uh, that's great. Um, and, and, you know, sort of thank you for, for sharing that story, too. I guess let's, well, first of all, I don't think I knew you played football. What position did you play?
1: <laughs> yeah so uh going to bicycle i played uh i played like strong safety in high school um so nice. i was in the box i was coming down here i was a hitter yeah. um and then when i got to college because i was a little smaller i, I played corner at uh right. tech i only played for a year though because i wanted to focus on getting an engineering degree and it was yeah. tough at a school like georgia tech to do engineering and football so yeah one I'm had sure. to go you know?
0: yeah i'm sure that the caseload is uh it, or the the course load is very high for uh engineering and i understand, just you know as a the amount of time they require of college athletes particularly football programs i know i mean i did track in college and that was a lot but i know the football players have even you know more of a commitment so uh i think you've made probably the right decision it's a lot harder to get get into the nfl than it is probably to to you know, sort of make your way in in business but um no, that's really cool so I guess you talked about the duplex and, and I know that you bought the duplex, but you mentioned that there are, uh, you know, some things you did wrong and some things you did right. And, and can you sort of dive into that a little bit more and tell people, you know, sort of, I, I again, I know a little bit of the story, but yeah. what you you know, how did you find the deal? How did you purchase it? Kind of all of the, the details on that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, I went and found an agent. Well, first I went through bigger pockets and uh, Bigger Pockets, I, I got to uh, shout them out. Like, it's a great networking platform. If you're in real estate, you need to be out there networking. Um, and what I did was, there's a guy named Matt Wood. He's a big time um, commercial developer in Georgia. And I saw him speak at a Bigger Pockets event one time. And then, like, a year later, I saw him on Bigger Pockets. I was like, you know what? I don't have much going for me, but I got nothing to lose. Let me reach out to him and see if I can get a call. And we ended up having a call, a 30-minute call. And it was was great. Like, he gave me a lot of tips. He gave me a lot of things that I could work on and gave me a lot of encouragement and helped build my confidence. And one thing that he gave me, he put me in contact with one of the agents in his brokerage. And from there, that's really kind of what sparked that whole multifamily space because he was a young guy that was also getting into multifamily. But um, I found an agent who worked with investors. He was also an investor himself. So he had the connections and he was able to find me this deal off market. It needed a good amount of work, but we were able to get it at such a discount that it still made sense. So that's how we found it. And another thing I can say for anybody getting into this, look at deals consistently. Because this wasn't the first deal we looked at. We looked at several. But after you spent so much time looking at them, you can figure out what's a winner and what's not and i knew right away when i saw this that this was a winner
0: yeah yeah so it was an off-market deal and then how did you go ahead and and purchase it did you just sort of have a standard conventional
1: loan or what did you do for that i used a renovation loan so i used a, a home style loan and it allows you to put the price of the renovation in the loan itself so you don't have to come out of pocket for that
0: okay do you have to put anything down on those or is it like a no no down payment type of loan or you, you have to come up with something? So I had to put
1: 5% down and because okay. it was off market, I also had to pay closing costs, but we worked something out with the seller where we upped the price a little bit. So he contributed to closing costs.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. So So, yeah, just... know another good point there is just getting creative with however Mm -hmm. whatever you need to do to make the deal work especially when you're getting started it's just find a way your your point about you know looking at a lot of deals so you know when the when the right deal comes across your plate then you you know when to act you know to act on it and also just having that um you know kind of the conviction to okay i found this good deal now i'm going to figure out how to make it happen so maybe tell us a little bit about what, you know, you mentioned what some things went wrong, some things went right. What do you, what do you mean by that sort of specifically?
1: Yeah, um, one of the things I would say is if you're using a renovation loan, even though you're the mortgage company is funding your renovation, it would be best to have capital upfront because there's a whole process from getting money from the bank, they have to come and do an inspection. There's paperwork. You have to get it signed by a contractor before they release funds to continue work. So there was multiple times where we got stopped along the project just because we ran out of funds. So you want to have capital upfront, and two, um, do more, do a lot of due diligence, especially on your contractor. My contractor, he he was he's good. He he does a good job. It's just the time frame that he does it in is not the best so the project took a lot longer than I expected yeah so but but he did a great job so I will say that he does good work he's just more so for the if you're kind of trying to nickel and dime and keep costs low but don't have much of a time frame he's good to go with but in an investment property where time is money and every day that yeah. you don't have your property rented you're losing money you definitely want to go with somebody that can get the job done quickly
0: yeah yeah you want to have I think there are contractors that are more geared specifically towards investors versus contractors contractors that are more geared towards like custom home building and things like that. Right. And those you know those custom homes are going to be uh, a slower, more meticulous process. Whereas mm-hmm. investors, it's like you want to get get in, get get everything done, and then get some you know because you were you were going to rent this out, so you want right. you want to get the tenants in there as quickly as possible so that you're making money on it. Um, so you, you're house hacking this, is that right? Yes, essentially, yes. Yeah. So yes, you're I'm here now. Okay. And uh, everything is going well with that? You're, yeah. you're happy with how it turned out, happy with returns and things?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the numbers on it are good. Um, the, the other house, it covers the mortgage and then some, and then I'm also renting out the other room in uh, my unit to my brother. So all in all, I'm breaking even, so living for free, but, and there's also potential. I gave, of course, I gave my brother a discount, but um, once we move out, which I'm not sure when that's going to be, I can raise the rent significantly higher. And I've been working with one of my friends who uh, Airbnbs and does a pass fit, which we can talk about a little bit. Um, He does both and he's able to get, get great returns. So I'm planning on doing that once I move out of here.
0: Okay, so let's talk about that. What uh, I'm not sure that I'm familiar with, With you said PassFit? Uh, PadSplit. Yeah, so oh, PadSplit. Pad gotcha. okay. Yeah,
1: I'm not sure if it's nationwide yet. Yeah, I know they're in Georgia. Um, I think they're, they're in the Southeast. I'm not sure how far they've expanded. They only started about three, four years ago, uh, but it's a co living platform. So essentially, it makes it easy for you to rent each room individually. Um, that, you know, there's typically better returns when you can get each room rented out individually, Mm -hmm. but there's also a lot more headache. So a lot of investors don't like doing that. Uh, But with Passport, they kind of take over that, a lot of the headache out of it and they manage that. So you go through them, they'll find you the tenants and you just essentially have to worry about maintaining the property. They'll handle tenant screening, they'll handle evictions, any tenant disputes, and they even have a certain systems that can handle like maintenance requests and things of that nature.
0: Oh, okay. So it's essentially a, a property management type of platform?
1: Yeah, in, in a way, in a way, um, you still manage the property physically, but they'll handle gotcha. anything dealing with the tenants. So yeah, they, and it's very helpful. And they, they take a percentage, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, no, that I mean, that sounds reasonable. I mean, especially if you're, you're local to it. And it's like, if you mm-hmm. don't mind having to whether it's you fixing something or sending someone over to fix it, it, if they're managing the tenant side of things, I think that's, that's very helpful. Yeah. Um, so then you, you know, kind of, now you're, you're venturing into to the multifamily space. Um, how did you, was that always your intent or, or large multifamily, I should say, uh, was that always your intent or, you know, kind of what, what sent you in that direction?
1: So commercial real estate and large scale development was always the plan. I did not think that I'd be able to get there as quickly as I did. And that's just a testament to being in the right place at the right time, networking with the right people, Mm -hmm. and largely the pandemic. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm the most focused person, but with there being no distractions and no opportunity to go out, I spent a lot of time last year Um, going through those courses that I mentioned, learning how to underwrite. I think I went through maybe 25 hours of video courses online, uh, spent a few months just meticulously every day going through those courses. And once I did that, I found the confidence to network. And from there, things just started taking off.
0: Good, good. Well, I mean, it's, obviously the pandemic wasn't a, a good thing but right, right, you, right. you made the best of a bad situation and, and you know, use that time wisely to, you know, sort of advance yourself and, and, you know, become more successful. So can you walk us through that sort of what uh, I know that you have now a deal under contract? So I we don't tell us kind of how that came about and, and how that process went.
1: Yeah. So I got connected with um, Julie from Old Capital and she connected me with two other partners. They were looking for somebody to underwrite. It was funny because, like, I had just finished uh, all my courses and just started looking at deals myself and underwriting them myself. So I didn't even have a whole bunch of confidence in myself to do it at that point. Uh, but I was speaking with them, and that's one thing I can say I appreciate with the pe- I appreciate about the people that I partnered with. They kind of spoke that confidence into me. Um, I kind of told them my background, and I really I didn't you know go in there selling myself short. I just wanted to make sure I was honest about what I could do and what what I couldn't do. Uh, So I told them that I had an analytical background. I was an engineer, I was working in corporate and I could do work at a high level. But in terms of specifically underwriting, I wasn't that experienced. And they were saying, you know, you'll be able to pick it up. Um, You're already good with numbers. You demonstrated that. And um, from there, I just started looking at deals from them, started off kind of slow. I'm looking at one deal here, two deals there. But after I started getting the hang of it, they started sending me more and more. And then after a while, you know, it was, you know, two, three, four deals a week, you know, I'm able to look at and was able to develop a system to kind of get through it quicker by looking at deals that, that made more sense and more detail. And the ones that didn't, I was able to quickly get those out of my, out of my, out of my sight and focus on the ones that, you know, were potential. And, um after about seven eight months of looking at deals that didn't work you know it's was, it was a tough market we had to look i probably looked at close to 100 deals in, in those those seven eight months um we found one that actually worked you know the numbers kind of look good on it and we were able to pursue it further and that's the deal we ended up getting on the contract
0: okay you want to tell us a, a little bit about the deal
1: yeah for sure it's a 126 unit deal in little rock and uh Great thing about it, it's in a good location, it's in the heart of Little Rock. And I know a lot of people may be like, you know, why Little Rock? Nobody really thinks of Little Rock. Everybody's in Dallas or even Atlanta right now. Um, but Little Rock, and is, that's one of the best things about it because Little Rock is an emerging market. It's, it hasn't been you know, discovered yet. The, there's, there's been a rent boom, I'm looking at over 3.78% average rent increase for the past two years, over 4% in the past year. So the rent is going is going through the roof. So it's, there's definitely a great opportunity, but there's not a huge rush to get into that market. So when we were bidding on it, we weren't even bidding against any of the buyer groups. So we didn't get into a bidding war. So we were able to get it under contract at just 200 grand over our original offer, which is insane. A lot of people are going well above asking at this point just to to get a deal on the contract but we're able to lock this one in Uh, we brought in the existing property management um the trinity management or trinity multifamily is the existing management company and their president and ceo uh is one of our partners on this deal so that means management is in aligned with Mm-hmm. Uh, with, the, with the partner team to make sure that this property is, gets the attention it needs to be managed correctly. And uh, we're doing a pretty good value add on it. Um, it's already in a great neighborhood. It's near the Heights, which is one of the most historic and most affluential neighborhoods in Little Rock. Mm-hmm. And Little Rock itself has five major hospitals. Amazon has about four and a half million dollars, four and a half million square feet of industrial space that they just opened up in the past couple of years. And there's a growing fin- uh, fintech industry and multiple universities. So it's definitely a great market to be in, but we're still not, you know, at full capacity. So there's room to grow. Yeah, yeah.
0: careful. Now you're going to create your own competition. You're, you're selling <laughs> Little Rock so well. It's, it does sound great. And I think, you know, your point about, you know, people might say, why would you go to Little Rock? That's exactly why you would go to Little Rock exactly because people are uh, fo- you know a lot of people are focused on sort of the major huge metro markets like like atlanta and dallas and, and austin and all that and it, it's the carol you know charlotte and south carolina there's mm-hmm. all the all the carolinas uh, or the cities in carolina and that the but Maybe picking one of these kind of secondary markets that isn't hasn't quite had the boom that the other places have had yet, as long as you do the market analysis and you actually figure out you know sort of all the things that you were just saying that there's growth there and that there's uh, you know having an Amazon distribution center there is, is a big deal. Amazon doesn't just go there for no reason, right? It's right. like you, you can right. you can use that information to your advantage. And so you know if you get into a market, before it blows up like some of these large metros you, you're gonna make you know better returns than someone who might buy in the the more uh, you know traditional or you know whatever mm-hmm. the the more well-known markets so so yeah good for you I mean that that's awesome mm-hmm. um you, I know you said you did the you were the underwriter what uh what has your role been kind of since getting it under a contract um, have you had been a part of other uh the process otherwise
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I started off initially just underwriting. um, And, you know, that's initially what I plan to do, but I have a lot of skills that I develop. And that's one one thing I love about entrepreneurship and real estate is you can leverage every skill that you have to, you know, bring value and increase your your profit margins. Uh, So, like I said, I mentioned I work in uh, research and development at Coca-Cola. So I understand very much how to analyze a situation how to research and take the, the data or the findings mm-hmm. and come up with a, a thesis and use that thesis to develop a business plan. So from the underwriting, I was large in, uh, largely involved in the business plan development for the property. Um, one, just understanding the market and what direction we need to go in. Uh, also, one of the things that I, I did, I uh, contracted a water conservation company, uh, SAS uh, Water Conservation in, Bringing them in, and for a seventy-seven thousand dollar one-time investment, we're looking at savings of forty-three thousand plus annually. So we'll be able to recoup those those expenses, you know, pretty quickly. Yeah. And um, another thing that I was involved in um, is oh, I'm going to be involved in is uh, capital raising. So right now I'm having conversations to be able to bring capital to the table.
0: Okay, no, it sounds. I mean, sounds great, and I think. You know, it sort of makes sense as the underwriter that you would also be part of, you know, sort of the business plan, formulation and execution right on the asset management side, you got to make sure that that stuff is, is sort of conforming to what you underwrote. So I think uh, that's, I mean, it sounds awesome. I, I think uh, you're doing, you know, doing great with that, with that asset. And uh, when, when are you supposed to get under contract? Or sorry, uh, when we, are you supposed to close?
1: Uh, we're looking to close in July. Awesome. Initially, we were supposed to close in June, but um, due to contract issues, we had to push yeah. it back a little bit. Never we're closing line. Never, <laughs> never goes exactly as as it's yeah. planned.
0: But yeah, supposed to close and actually closing <laughs> are, are very different things. Um, great. Are you still? I assume you're still looking and uh, trying to come up with the next deal. Then,
1: yeah that that's one of the things that you know you just kind of run into the bottleneck of time. Um, because um, I don't want to drop the ball on this deal while looking at others. So right. I'm still the underwriter for the group. So our broker relations partner, he's still sending me deals and I'm trying my best to get to him. But it is definitely a time crunch. And um that's one of the things that I'm thinking about, you know, looking ahead. The money that we get from the closing on this deal, I'm looking to reinvest into some of my systems. Uh, I want to be able to hire help to do a lot of this underwriting, at least like the just the number crunching and data entry, some of the stuff that's more repetitive. Um, I've also been looking at leveraging my my background in engineering. Um, In the past, when I first started working in real estate, I did a few things like uh, leveraging Java and writing programs. So I had made a Java um, program that searched the county website um, based on the Excel doc of addresses and then pull property information. So I just created a web scraper and now I'm doing the same thing to help, um, with financing or managing the finances for my existing properties. So I can kind of take myself out of that part of the business and automate that. Yeah. So I'm looking at taking some of this money, investing it in ways that'll save me time because I still work a full-time job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's very, very smart. You know, put you're young, you can just take that money and, you know, sort of put it back into, to grow your business. And then at some point, you know, then you'll, everything will be effectively automated except for the very high dollar jobs that that you need to do. So that's, exactly. that's a great strategy. Uh, well, well, that's great. I mean, I I'm uh, really happy for you, Brandon. I think that's, that sounds like things are going very, very well for you. So that's awesome. And it's been a little bit since we talked and I'm, I'm happy to hear all this. Yeah. Um, I guess I'd like to maybe just kind of ask you a few questions that I, I like to ask each guest. Um, mm-hmm. And you touched on this a little bit, I thought, but I thought maybe you wouldn't mind expanding on, you know, the, the name of the podcast is Know Your Why. So yep. you, you touched a little bit on your why and and maybe kind of expand and and, and tell us, I guess, wh- where you see that going for you. What What's your kind of long-term vision and everything of, of, of what you have in your, uh, in your, your
1: goals? Yes. I'm, I'm glad you asked. And I'm big on impact. You know, of course, a lot of people are in this industry for, cause it's profitable, which, you know, is, is all well and good, but I think impact is one of the biggest things. Um, I'm pro-black as you know, and I know that real estate is one of the biggest impact of, in, has one of the biggest impacts on our livelihood and uh, is also one of the biggest impacts on wealth and generational wealth. And I know that gentrification has always been looked at in a negative light for some groups and a positive light for others. And I've been in situations, I've been in communities where we've been negative in, negatively impacted by gentrification. You know, a lot of times people who want to invest in the community, you know, they're not going in with ill intentions when you're going to invest in the community and you have no emotional attachment to the area you're investing in, then it ends up showing on the back end. You go in, you make profits, make the area look a lot nicer, but the people who live in that community may not be able to live there anymore. They may get displaced or they don't really see the benefits that that community is seeing. So I want to make sure that as I'm focusing and growing my, my real estate career, my real estate company, that we don't just you know, develop the properties and improve the look and feel of the neighborhood, I wanna make sure that we gentrify the people as well. So one of the things that I'm looking for is like, anytime that I'm making a profit, the community needs to be benefiting. I wanna make sure that, well, and I wanna make sure I'm actually planning on, and this is kind of in the business plan for my company, some of the uh, proceeds, other profits, or a percent, percent of the profits will always go back into the community. Uh, so right now, as we're uh, looking for investors in Little Rock, I'm also networking with some of my frat brothers out there because I want to get involved with the community. They have community initiatives in there that I want to get involved in and take some of those earnings and invest them into a local school or uh, invest them into a local, just you know, something to improve the area so that you know that the area that gets developed can also go back to developing the people so that those kids growing up in that area have a chance to do better and actually stay in that area as it improves. So that's one of the biggest things I wanna do uh, on a small scale. And then I wanna also go back to Sierra Leone and be able to develop on a large scale and essentially take the same model of using investor capital. And I wanna be able to use Sierra Leone, the diaspora, because we're spread out. There's a lot of successful Sierra Leoneans but a lot of them are not in Sierra Leone, they're in Atlanta, they're in London, they're in California. So being able to take some of that capital because they are interested in developing Sierra Leone, but they don't necessarily know how or they may not be as connected as they were before. So I wanna be that connector, I wanna be that bridge that can take a lot of those resources and focus them on on developing that community and make sure that we own it as the diaspora. So that's why I want to go long-term with this, and I think that that same concept can be duplicated throughout Africa, and then that's going to go—it's going to—it's going to go miles. It's going to like be very important for it to address a lot of these social and racial and inequality issues that we're seeing right now, because when you have the capital, when you have the ownership, then you really have the power, and you don't really need anybody to to help you. Obviously, your situation—you're in charge of your own destiny. So that's how I want to go with this long-term and that's what I've dedicated my life and my business to.
0: I I just want to say that that's exactly why I started this podcast for, for that answer. That's it. That's, I mean, I, that's exactly, thank you. And I, and I believe you will do it. Uh, and if there is any way I can be a part of it, you please let me know. I, I think it's it, that's amazing. I mean, it's really, I, I, I really do. I, I'm kind of a little bit speech, speechless because I, I think that's a very, very powerful message. And that's, that's exactly why when I, when I wanted to start this podcast, it was because like that sort of story, that sort of passion commitment to giving back is it's what makes me want to, if I'm going to invest with other people and what, what makes me want to invest with them, it's what makes me want to partner with them, work with them. And I think I would imagine that's a very similar, you know, there's a lot of people out there that would feel that way. So, um, yeah, amazing. Thank you. Thank you for that. I mean, I really, yeah, no problem. one of my, <laughs> that might, might be one of my favorite answers to that question. That was, <laughs> that was great. Um, well, tell me something about yourself, Brandon, that, that maybe people don't know. Uh, I know we talked about you played football, uh, anything, any other hobbies or, or special skills out there that, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, <laughs> would be interesting for the listener, aside yeah, from I got, saving the world?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got two things. I got two things. One is a hobby that I am recently picked up. When I was a kid, I used to roller skate a lot. Okay. Well, actually, I won't say a lot. That's a lot because I was never that good. <laughs> um, just here and there, I used to roller skate, and then I picked it back up a couple years ago, and now I'm getting back into it. And so that's something I want to get very good at, and I'm making a commitment to go every weekend and get good at that. So that's one skill. So be on the lookout down the road. I'm gonna be, you know, do a little, a few videos, show up my uh, progress in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, R- roller thing,
0: or or. Like roller skating, like okay, at the roller okay. break, like you know, real, music okay, and stuff. Yep. Yeah. And real old school, school. skating. Okay,
1: perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually invested and bought my own pair. So, nice. I got nice. my own skates. Um, and then, too, another fun fact um, one of my favorite shows is Jeopardy. And uh, actually, it's a family tradition in our house. Me, my mom, my brother, we used to watch Jeopardy uh, pretty much every night, like in and like play with each other, answer questions. Um, so, I really like trivia. So I don't really watch TV that much. Like I, I haven't had cable for years, um, but one show that I will catch, uh, usually if I go to recording the DVR in my mom's house is Jeopardy. And I'll watch episode after episode and just play along.
0: I love, I love it. We used to do that as well. My mom and my brother and I would, would uh, watch Jeopardy every night and just we'd keep score. You know, write it you know, write down. It. <laughs> my mom never let us win. She won, she won every single <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> well, Brandon, how uh, how can people reach you? What uh, what's the best way to to kind of connect with you? Anybody who's interested, obviously uh, as an investor, but but even just you know wants to kind of be a part of your your like I said, very powerful message.
1: Yeah. So my my LinkedIn is a great place uh, to connect on professional tip and real estate. Um, so Brandon Nabuya on LinkedIn. I think you have the link and put in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Um, yeah, but I'm always happy to connect with people there. Um, Instagram, I'm also on Instagram. is not as professional, um, and I don't plan to keep it that way. I plan to live life on Instagram. So, I mean, I don't do too much business on there, but if you just want to keep up with me and what I'm doing, you know, feel free to follow me on there. Uh, see my some Instagram, skating videos. Yes, you will be able to see some uh, skating videos in the yeah. near, near future. <laughs> and that's sure. uh, Brandon Nabooia on Instagram. So my first and last name, no, no dots or anything.
0: Okay. All right. Well, great. Well, and we'll put a, we'll put that all in the, in the show notes for sure. Um, final question before we get out of here: uh, What can I or anyone listening? What can we do to help you succeed?
1: Hmm. Well, right now, if you could send somebody who's looking to invest a hundred thousand or more in the Little Rock market, okay. that'll be a, a great help. Um, other than that, I would say. I'm always looking to uh, network with people interested in the Atlanta market. If you know somebody that's interested in the Atlanta market, because even though it's high priced right now, I am uh, planning in the future to start reaching out to brokers more and more. Like I said, I'm born and raised here. I grew up here. I believe in the city and I believe that it's growing even further. And I do think that even though it's pretty high priced right now, that there is opportunity if you're creative and you understand the market well enough. So if you know somebody that's interested in the Atlanta market, feel free to reach out. Even if you're not going to, um, invest with me just to have a conversation about it. I'm always happy to talk about Atlanta. Like I love this city so much. So if you're interested in Atlanta market, feel free to reach out.
0: Great. Great. Brandon, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate having you on. It's been, it's been great to hear about what you've been up to and, um, like I said, a very, very powerful message. So I, I look forward to people hearing this this episode. Um, and, and thank you. Thank you again for coming on.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Jason. It's been great. It's yeah, been great. Absolutely.
0: All right. We're signing off, everyone.